worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world at least. Welcome everyone to the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and it's time for another look beyond the veil. In this episode of the show, I'm joined with Josh Reynolds, author of the upcoming Arkham horror novel, Wrath of Nakai. Josh, uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How y'all doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, so before we dive into Wrath of Nakai itself, I wanted to ask you, Josh, what was your first experience with Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos? My first experience with Lovecraft was actually uh, the story Pickman's Model. Uh, it was in one of those old uh, Alfred Hitchcock anthologies. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, no, it's a, <laughs> it's a little before uh, my time, but yeah, I'm old. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what these were, were someone used Alfred Hitchcock's name and put it on an anthology of just, you know, the best short stories of, of a certain of horror or monsters or murderers or, or whatever. It was, it was a whole series of, of books. Um, and these books were, were then sent to, uh, uh, school libraries um, because they were supposed to be uh, s- scary stories for kids. Um, and Pickman's model was included in one of these. Jeez. Oh, uh, so it was meant for like, you know, 10 year olds, 12 year olds. <laughs> um, and so that's when I read it. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember lo- it's, it's still my favorite story. Um, and then when I got a little older, you know, a couple years later, I, wound up just on a whim looking up the author of that story because I wanted to read it again. And it turned out the local library, the Richland County Library in Columbia, South Carolina, had every Arkham uh, collection. So all of the old Arkham House collections. Um, so like the horror in the museum and the, lur- the lurking fear and the Dunwich horror and others. And, and oh, I checked those things out. Every every couple of months. That's awesome. The Dunwich Horror one was the one that had that really great. Um, trying to remember the artist's name, he did uh, he did the illustration for Sticks for by Carl Edward Wagner and. Oh, I I think I know which one you're talking about with like the silhouette of the house on top of the hill. Yeah, and it was that for the Dunwich Horror, and he he had drawn a, a portrait of Wilbur Waitley. And it was oh this yeah, that's it, that's pretty infamous with yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, it's going to kill me. I've got the I've got a, a collection of the guy's prints somewhere, and I, I can't find it. <laughs> my my child, my toddler is hidden it somewhere. <laughs> so you already ca- you already kind of mentioned uh, Pickman's model as your as your favorite mythos story. But uh, what are, what are some of your other favorites, and why do you like them so much, Josh? Um, well, I like I like Pickman's model uh, because I've always had kind of a fascination for that type of monster. You know the the ghoul, the the thing underground. My other favorite Lovecraft story is probably the Color Out of Space because I think that's the perfect Lovecraft story because it's the one I think that perfectly gets across his view of the universe and it it captures the the kind of uncaring nastiness of his 
is monsters, basically. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a monster. Yeah, it's a monster without a form, without a face, and without any. It's not you know they're they're the characters are ascribing it malign motivation, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to have any motivation other than to escape. Yeah, it just it just exists within the story and it acts uncaringly. Yeah, and it and it hurts by its existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I, I do like the uh, I have a soft spot for the Dunwich Horror because it's it's kind of the ant it's it's almost Lovecraft writing against type because he he has the characters actually make an impact on the story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the you know, you have Dr. Armitage and his and his pals go up the hill and they got an elephant gun and they, you know, shout some magic words and the monster goes away. You know, I, I I like that because it's you could you could kind of I always fancied that when you read it, you could kind of feel Lovecraft struggling really hard at the end not to just have something bad happen to them. Right. Yeah. You know, but they but they win. You know, they 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 it's it's basically a Call of Cthulhu campaign. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. They go up to sit in the hill to beat the boss and then they 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 uh they save yeah, the day. Yeah, and they do, they do they do some and they do some investigation beforehand and and read old books and it's great. So you're an author whose work is primarily centered around games in their in their lore. It must be uh you must be a bit of a gamer yourself, Josh. Did you play any Arkham Files games when you were doing research for Wrath of Nakai? Oh, I played them before. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why I wanted to write the book. <laughs> uh, I I started playing Arkham Horror in the first fantasy flight edition. So it's the one with all the boards you had to set up. Oh, second edition. Oh God. My friends and I, because we started playing in co- while I was uh, in college mm-hmm. and we'd have weekends where we just decide, well, we're going to play, you know, we're going to play the main board and the Dunwich horror board and the Innsmouth board. And we'd set them up in our apartment, you know, on Friday night with like six tables with like six tables. <laughs> and we play, we play, you know, over the course of the weekend. Cause you know, cause you know, it takes you, it takes you like oh, three hours, hours to set up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's, you know, and, and we played, uh, when it came out, we started playing mansions of madness, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as big a fan of it as I was Arkham Har, but I, I think that was because of the mansions of madness is the one I think where the, you have the, the, you have the anti- antagonistic, someone's playing the antagonistic role and, the other people are trying to to beat them, and I was never a, a big fan of those kind of games. Mm-hmm. I like cooperative games. You know, if I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, it's different. But you know, I, I like I like everybody being on the same team if we're playing a board game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly because I keep getting killed otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I play. I had never played the card game, but I knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen a couple of the cards, but I'd I'd never been. I was never big into into playing card games. Uh, I think I, I think it came out too late for my for me to be interested in it. I had already burned myself out on Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so what are some of your favorite experiences playing those games? And did they have any impact in your writing, Josh? A bit. There were there were certain characters I really wanted to use because I'd enjoyed playing them in the uh, on the in the board game. I'd enjoyed using uh, like Harvey Waters. Walters. Harvey Walters was one I enjoyed playing. And and I made sure to include him in the novel just because I liked him as a as a character because he's kind of that prototypical Lovecraftian protagonist. You know, he's the older yeah. older and you know older academic guy. Some of the other characters I really enjoyed using, I, I didn't get to include them. I wanted to, but I I kind of steered away from them intentionally. It was uh, I always enjoyed playing Joe Diamond just because he annoyed the crap out of my friends. 
Because I would, I would always, whenever I played him, I would always talk with a, you know, that, you know, that fake like Chandler accent. accent, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Joe Diamond says we should go over here and investigate this. And my friends would just be like, shut up. <laughs> like Joe Diamond awesome. does shut up. <laughs> you know? And uh, you, if you can't tell, I was really annoying to play with. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, some, some of the great... You know, those big marathon games were the ones I always remember where we, you know, we, we played the, the, you know, Dunwich Horror came out and you could play, you had to fight the the horror itself and Wilbur Waitley and then Yogg Sothoff. And those were always extremely fun. The one, the one that does stick out actually in my mind is when I played the federal agent for a, a round of Arkham Horror and we had the Innsmouth board set up and he got turned into a deep one, like turn two. <laughs> somehow i drew that card and it's like oh you're a deep one now and it's like well that's great <laughs> i guess i'll just pick another character then shall i <laughs> who am i gonna play i guess i'll play the gangster let's see if he has any better look oh wait no he's insane okay <laughs> moving on down the list that sounds like a typical game of arkham if i've ever played one i i did i did like playing uh michael mcglynn the or yeah, Michael Glenn, the the gangster, just yep. because he he went crazy so daggum quickly, <laughs> but he was so tough that if you could keep him sane, he would just mow down everything. Yeah, he'd bulldoze whatever you put through in front of him. Yep. But yeah, he oh god, he went he went nuts if something looked at him funny. <laughs> it's like oh, it's a random lunatic. Well, he's nuts now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So do you, so the Arkham Horror Files has a well-established lore center around uh, its namesake town and the the characters that you play as in the game, but also the the uh, Cthulhu mythos as a whole that it you know adopts its its uh, its lore from. I feel that the the Wrath of Nakai blends these two facets really well, while still making it feel like you're telling an original story. It certainly must mustn't have uh, been easy for you to to incorporate all those things like that do you um what are some of the challenges that you face when incorporating these things together and do you find it to be a burden uh to your creative process or do you find it helpful because basically someone did the work for you already it's it's a little of both actually um the like you said the structure is there so you don't have to invent very much and you, you it's, it's kind of assumed that the audience for the book is going to know what's happening and so you don't have to do as much world building as you might in an original novel. Uh, but at the same time, it's more difficult because sometimes the world building that's done for a game does not translate well into a novel. One of the things I had, I actually, one of the, the biggest problem was trying to figure out what size Arkham was. Um, because the, the fantasy fly or the, the, the Arkham files version of Arkham is not the same as the version from, you know, the the original stories or like the Call of Cthulhu role playing game. So there's, it, it's kind of nebulous. The si- the size of the town is nebulous, and and what's in the town, and you know, how, what's the best way to get into the town? What's the best way to leave the town? So I was trying to basically put together a an, a working map, not a not a board, you know, not a game board, but an actual working map of the town to figure out where the character can go and how they would reach a certain place and what street they would use. And you're starting to sound more like an urban planner than a, than an author. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit, uh, um, you would not believe I I spent like three hours trying to find the price of a ticket 
uh, on a train oh, for train fare. And it's like I, I was like I didn't even include that in the book. I was like, why did I spend two hours looking that up? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it, it that I mean, there are challenges to to doing it right. Like you know, you, you want to include characters, but that means you have to go back through and read all the character backstories to make sure make sure that you know that these characters know each other or these characters would be in these places. Um, I had to do a couple of different read throughs to just to figure out what the police force was like in Arkham, because there's a police force and then there's a sheriff's department, which are two different things. Mm-hmm. And the game kind of, it, the game makes the, makes a point that there's a distinction, you know, there's, there's an actual police force in the town and then there's the, the sheriff's deputies or the, the state police and, and all this different kind of stuff. And it's like, which, which one is Tommy Muldoon? Because in one thing he's referred to as a, as a police officer and another, he's a sheriff's deputy. So, I had to I had to ask a couple times to be like, which one is he? And they're like, yeah, he's a, he he works he works for the town, and it's like, yeah, but you got two different things working for the town, so which one is he? Right, right, and and that it's, uh, that particular distinction is important in the story yeah. itself. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that it's it, it, should, it was it was little things like that because you you don't want to contradict what the the people who've, who've created all this stuff have done. Mm-hmm. You want to use what they've done. You want to build on it because people know it. Yeah, and and obviously the audience has a certain expectation. I would say too. Yeah, you know, you want you want to get it right because otherwise, oh God, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure Twitter and Reddit would would be uh, yeah. would be sure to let you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm sure they're going to let me know of the of the various mistakes I probably have made. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's uh, yeah. It, one of one of the main thing, one of the main problems we actually had was originally we were going to use characters from the game as the main characters, and I think the original pitch for this was going to have the the main character was going to be the reporter character, and I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, I should I should remember his name. Uh, Rex Murphy. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, because I was going to do kind of a Kolchak the Night Stalker thing. With Rex oh, Murphy. that'd be cool. That'd yeah. be a cool Rex story. Um, and, and that was, well, that was literally what my editor said. She was like, uh, she was like, I know you're just going to do a Coltrack riff on this. So no, <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, you know, and we, and so I, you know, I kicked it over and decided I was going to do Ursula Downs. Who's the museum, who, the, the woman who works in the museum, the character, that's yep, the yep. archeologist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I said, okay, well, she'll be, she'll be a cool character. I don't see that she's ever gotten anything already written about her. She has a cool backstory. Let's let's go with this. And then the word came down from Fantasy Flight. They were like, actually, since most of these characters actually, you know, have stories going on in the game, we prefer you to create your own character. Which is how I ended up creating Alessandra Zorzi, uh, the Countess. Yeah. So what was what was your inspiration for Alessandra? Because you know, there's already kind of like a thief esque character. Yeah, in Ruby Arkham, Standish. So- yeah. Uh, well, originally she was going to be Ruby Standish. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was I was actually thought about using Ruby Standish as the character because she's only got that ally card. But I was worried that at some point Fantasy Flight would want to do something with her. And and what you don't want to do is try is preempt. That's another thing you don't want to do is you don't want to preempt the owners of the license mm-hmm. in something they're going to do because they don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, well, I'll just create my own thief and make sure to mention Ruby Standish so that people you know, know that I, I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. The reference to her is great. Yeah. 
I, I thought I'd got it in there nicely. Um, yeah, I like that scene particularly. Yeah, but it, it's it's really uh, Alessandro Zorzi. I've I really like the idea of uh, of you know the the lady master thief. Um, I was a big fan of the uh, the vampires silent film from France with Irma Vep and the Vampire Society. And, and various other, you know, I, I always like that thief character like Arsene Lupin and um, Raffles and, and... Yeah, she almost has like a comic book uh, cat burglar type feel to her too. Oh yeah, it's, it's all, it's all from, that, from that literary tradition of those, of those thieves. If you, mm-hmm. you know, you read those original stories and they're pulling out, you know, they're doing stuff like substituting diamonds on someone's neck in the middle of a party. And... <laughs> yeah, just it, totally ridiculous stuff. You know, one one story they're stealing diamonds from a from a wealthy lady, and the next story they're, you know, fighting the the Freemasons for control of the Spear of Destiny, and then next story they're stealing something from Castle Dracula, and then the next yeah. story they're getting arrested by Scotland Yard, and it's just like <laughs> ups and All downs, and it's like yeah, it's like, but that's that's a you know that's a great character. It's a character who can go anywhere, do anything, and it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. that was another main thing is is we were. Early on, they asked. They said, "You know, let's make sure that this character doesn't have to stay in Arkham. Since it's a new character, we can go anywhere we want with her. You know, the first book needs to be set in Arkham because it's the Arkham Files. And you got to you got to establish it. But after this, you know, this this character can now she can now go to Egypt. She can go to Italy. She can go, you know, to Budapest, to to Istanbul, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Where a character like you know." Poor Tommy Muldoon, in fact, can't because he's a cop. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to use like Rex Murphy because Rex Murphy's a reporter. He can go, he can leave the town, he can go to different places. I could send him to Innsmouth uh, or Innsmouth if I, if I wanted to. Not that I want to, but but yeah, it was it, it was it was a it was a whole bunch of just kind of random ideas of of I want a character that can go do a bunch of stuff, has a reason to do a bunch of stuff, and is looks cool doing it. <laughs> that's that's Sorry. great yeah so so apart from alessandra herself uh who is your favorite arkham files character to write for and and why do you why do you feel that way oh i think i think i'm gonna go back to harvey uh harvey walters um i like harvey walters because he's that cranky old man who knows more than everybody else um and he's he's that he's he's almost a he's a traditional Lovecraftian protagonist, but he's a little more competent than the average Lovecraftian protagonist, I guess. Yeah, he's he's been around the block once or twice. Yeah, he he know you know you read his backstory in the game, and it's like he he knows he he's already got a he's got a couple of clue tokens already, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's already figured out some stuff, um, and he's. I'd like I'd like that kind of character who's I I'm a big fan of occult detective fiction. So you you know you have the 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 kind of the not really a Sherlock Holmes type of character, but a, you know this this old old not really a wizard, but someone who's got that kind of knowledge and uses it to fight monsters and solve sinister crimes. And I, I like that kind of character, um, and he he fits that to a bill. Him and uh. What's his name? The magician, <laughs> the guy who goes around in the top hat. Oh, Dexter Drake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, I, I tried. I tried so hard to find a way to include him in this, and I, I couldn't make it work. Oh, that would have been that would have been great. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I wanted so bad to get him in, and I he just I did not. shows up in the middle of the graveyard in the middle of the night, and just like what what are you doing here, Dexter? Yeah, it's like why why are you here in a, in a, in a top hat and spats? <laughs> what, what is what is going on? Uh, yeah. <sighs> I particularly enjoyed the scenes, um, I don't know if this is going too much into spoiler territory, with Abner Whitlock and Tommy Muldoon. I thought you wrote those scenes really well. Just that dynamic of the the hard-boiled uh, rookie cop with the, the hell-bent um, insurance, insurance fixer. That, that relationship between those two characters was, was just a great joy to read. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I enjoyed <laughs> writing them. That was fun. So I, th- I think Tommy was one of my favorite characters to uh, to read about. But without going too much into spoilers, uh, Josh, what was one of your favorite passages from Wrath of Nakai? Uh, well, I've got I've got t- actually actually my fa- my favorite is it's not so much spoilers, but it, it it's the scene uh, where Alessandra is she thinks she's in the cab and she's not actually in the cab. Do you remember that scene? Um, that's that's like right right when she gets to the hotel for the first time. Uh, uh, no, it's uh, towards the end of the book. Um, it's where she's uh, she has that sort of nightmare, that waking nightmare. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yep. Um, that was a, I, I really enjoy that scene mainly because it creeped out my editor. And <laughs> 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 um, any scene with uh, the her Alessandra's employer. Uh, are, are ones I enjoy. I just write, I enjoyed writing his dialogue. Yeah, he must have been an interesting character to write because um, I think astute fans of Lovecraft will pick up on that reference very, very quickly. But uh, oh yeah, I, I intended him to. I, I yeah. hope they would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, right from the prologue, you you set up the uh, you know you set up that Lovecraft story pretty much right yeah. from the get go. Yeah, but it, it, I liked that you instead of retelling that story, you you took it in that occult detective. Uh, yeah. done it kind of fashion, which was really neat. So I wanted to ask you too, what was the, uh, what was the idea behind the mummy? Was that just, did that just kind of come to you in the, in the process or did you kind of like have that idea in mind before writing, uh, before writing the story? It was actually in, in mind before writing the story. Um, one of the initial, when we, when we were first discussing the story and what it should be about was that they kind of, they didn't want any standard monsters, I guess Mm -hmm. they wanted something a little bit, a little bit new and a little bit unusual as far as the, the creature. Cause they didn't want one of the creep. They basically didn't want me to stick my hand in the cup and pull out one of the little creature tokens and and say, that's, that's the monster. Mm -hmm. Um, although I kind of (laughs) did, in a way, (laughs) um, but they they wanted something a little different, and and I'm I'm a big fan of mummy movies. You're speaking, yeah, you're speaking to me right here, man. Brendan Fraser was a uh, nostalgic I, oh to me. God, yeah. <laughs> I, I love those films, but I, but I also love the you know I love the old Universal films, even though they're not great. Mm-hmm. You know that that slow plotting, that mummy, and you know it's coming out of nowhere with that one hand extended. I like I, I like mummy movies. I, I love all those movies. Um, I watch them every Halloween and, and the Brendan Fraser ones. I just kind of go down a list. I go from, you know, the Boris Karloff one through all the universal films. I hit the hammer films and then I, I go back to universal with the, the Brendan Fraser films. <laughs> nice. 
I even I even like the Dragon Emperor one. I don't think I've seen that. It's the one with Jet Li as the as the mummy. Oh yeah, I definitely haven't seen it's that. It's got the Yetis, got the CGI Yetis. Oh jeez. Oh god, I love that. That sounds that sounds right up my alley. That sounds totally ridiculous. It's so it's so good. Uh it's not great, but it's good. You know, it's it's one of those films. It's not a good film, but it's a good film. It's, you know? it's superbly average. Yeah, it's got it's got CGI Yetis. It's got Clayman. You know, it's got a zombie. It's got a zombie mummy sorcerer who can control the elements and turn into a dragon. And just like yeah, that's mm, mm, yeah, that's got some good stuff. But yeah, it's, you know, and I wanted to write that. But I've been wanting to write a you know a kind of. It, this didn't happen the way I wanted it to because what I wanted to write was a traditional mummy novel, mm-hmm. you know, with the guy summoning a mummy and sending it out to kill people and having them having to figure out what's going on and where the mummy is. Because I, I love those tropes, you know, that the tropes of those stories, the building blocks of those stories. I, mm-hmm. I, I just love them. And this this didn't turn out that way. I had to do something a little different. I didn't I didn't want to, you know, go, oh, it's a mummy. But no, it's actually Neurothotep. You know, yeah, I think I think that twist would have been a little too easy to see coming. Yeah, I liked I liked the incorporation that you that you did with um with the original Lovecraft source material. And also, obviously, like I said earlier, blending the the characters of the Arkham Files games, too. You know, that's certainly yeah. no easy task. Um, and you seem to hit like all the major notes with the various factions in in the Arkham Files. Well, so uh, I wanted to ask you, Josh, what's one of your what was your favorite faction? Was it the the Twilight Lodge? Was it the university? Was it uh, Alessandra and her her gang? Or I mean, I I have a soft spot for Alessandra and her gang because they were you know they're the protagonists. Um, but the the Twilight Lodge was fun. Um, I actually remember playing the uh, what was it Shadows Shadows of Yog Sothoth or whatever is the the Call of Cthulhu campaign where the the head the head of the Twilight Lodge is introduced. Um, way back in the, you know, the nineties, early nineties. Um, and he got ported over into the, into the board game. It was Carl, Carl Sanford. Yep. Um, and I've always liked him since then. Cause he's always just, he's just that asshole character. Sorry. I don't know if I can cuss. I apologize. Oh uh, no, go for it. It's totally fine. He's, he is a dick bag. <laughs> <laughs> he is a big old bag of dicks. Um, he, he sure is. But I, I like, I, you know, I like that, you know, he's an evil sorcerer, but he's also just a jerk, you know. He, and he's, like, conniving. Yeah. You know, he's not just, like, he, like, he wants you to know that he's a dick. Yeah. He he relishes, you know, people knowing that he screwed them over, you know. Uh, that's that's actually, going back to an earlier question, those are actually my second favorite scenes, are, are the ones where I wrote about, where I wrote him. Yeah, that, that scene where Alessandra first... Uh, goes to the lodge and yeah. meets with San. Oh, that that scene's just great. Yeah, he's such an asshole. <laughs> and he's, and he's he's not only is he like he's an asshole, but like he's he's always scheming. There's always something. He always feels like one step ahead too. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I thought it was key to to make him. Whenever you introduce an original character into an already existing set of characters, you you don't want to make your original character better than them so I, I very much wanted to put alessandra up against people that you know she can you know she's she can she's can hold her own against tommy muldoon and you know she's all right with harvey walters but put her up against carl sanford and she's just not 
you know, she she ain't walking out of that one unscathed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the same. Um, oh God, why can't I remember uh, his name right now? His his other antagonist, their other antagonist. Uh, wow, it's really uh, Mr. Orn. Yeah. And the way that you wrote Orn was really, really quite surprising to me too, because he, at least in my experience, he always kind of seemed like an innocent character, and then you know, you like not, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean that's that's the point. You know, you want him to seem seem like someone who's blameless, and then you know, you kind of go, ah, no, actually not. Yeah, actually, no. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And one thing I liked about Wrath of Nakai, too, is it seemed that you, you really, like, took all the locations from the Arkham board, and you're like, I'm going to put, I'm going to make sure I reference every single one of these yeah. in the book. Because this is the, essentially because this is the first Arkham, this is the first Arkham horror novel that Aconite, the, the publisher, is doing. One of the things I thought was kind of my job would be to to set up the the town. And it's also, you know, it's also just that kind of, that, you know, that writing for games and, and, and writing for black library and, and various other things that kind of, I need to, I need to let people know that I, I know, you know, I need to let the readers know that this is, this is a functioning town and, but that, you know, here are all the points of interest. And so they, they can kind of get a sense of where everything's happening and, and go, okay, yeah, I know that location from the board game. I know that location from the card game. And I think it's important just to kind of establish all that kind of stuff to, like I was saying earlier to kind of also to kind of give the reader a map of the town Mm -hmm. and say, there are multiple points of interest in this town and there are multiple things going on. And this is just one, one creepy story in a town full of creepy stories. Yeah. And and you definitely do a a great job of like setting the mood in Arkham too. It always, that always feels like dreary and just something's off when she's, When she's traveling around the town, but then when she goes into like the various locales, um, there's one scene in particular when her and her uh, her driver Pepper are yeah. at um they go to Velma's. And <laughs> there's that one line where she's she's watching Pepper make her coffee, and, <laughs> and I'll read it right here. It's a uh, Pepper added a ridiculous amount of sugar and milk to hers, and Alessandra felt vaguely offended on behalf of the coffee. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that was great. That that line was just funny to me. But you, yeah, you also you you give the you know there's a great sense of pacing in the story. Uh, thank you. That's that was something I, I I worked on multiple drafts to get to get mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you know it's like it leaves like each scene like kind of leaves on a cliffhanger, and then you catch up with what's going on with a, another group of characters. Yeah, and it was yeah it's a fun little roller coaster to to ride and then they all eventually culminate in the ending, which I thought was great too. Well, thank you. That's uh, kind of what I was hoping. I, I wanted to, to make sure the momentum kind of kept, kept at a steady or slightly building momentum all the way through it. Well, Josh, um, was there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap, uh, wrap up today's interview? Uh, not really other than thank you for having me. Um, of course. Um, and I, I hope, I hope folks go out and buy the book and enjoy it. And, um, I hope they buy the the next Arkham Horror novel as well, which is S.A. Sidor's what the Last Ritual, I think it's called. I believe so. Yep. Yeah, because that's that's probably going to be a good one as well. Uh, like mine is a mine is a kind of a pulpy, you know, two fisted detective kind of thing, and I I have a feeling his is going to be the weird cosmic menace 
you know, I think his is going to be the more the more subtle scare than mine was. Yeah, yours was very in your face action, which I yeah. really liked. I think that fits the Arkham Files very well. <laughs> well, thanks, Josh. Really appreciate uh, taking the time to have a chat with us. Well, thank you again for inviting me. I appreciate it. If you're interested in learning more about this upcoming release, I wrote a spoiler-free review on our website, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. A big thanks and shout-out to Josh once again, and to Aconite Books for helping getting all of this arranged. The Wrath of Nakai is slated for release sometime this summer, with pre-orders available now. I've been your host, Nate, and thank you for joining me for another look beyond the veil.